Welcome to I'd Rather Stay In, the podcast for cozy introverts. We're your hosts, Steffi Predmore and Megan Myers. This week's episode, Animal Rescue. Hi, Megan. Hey, Steffi. How are you this week? I am good. It is not as painfully hot here, at least today, tomorrow, although I think we're supposed to be getting that Saharan dust coming in later this week, so I'm sure I'll be hearing my husband bitch about that as he is spending time out in his garden, old Mr. McGregor in his garden. (laughs) I didn't realize it got that far north. But I don't think it was supposed to, but I saw some stuff about it today that apparently it is a very unprecedented thing. Ah, well. So we just got really tired of having it down here and thought the rest of the country needs it. Mm. This joy. Uh, You know, uh, we do love joy around here. (laughs) So. (laughs) Joy of not being able to breathe. It's great. Uh, It's amazing. What's up with you, Megan? Oh, uh, I've been making a lot of cookies. So many, there's so many cookies in my house right now. Nothing wrong with that. You're testing them for the for the magazine, right? Yes. Yeah, so our um, we it's a magazine, so it's you know so far in advance um, to finish all the editorial and the theme for the November issue is cookie swap, which I chose. It's fun, but also it's a lot of cookies. I mean, because when at least you, you can freeze cookies, well, yes, <laughs> in theory. But the thing <laughs> is, so when you're making the cookies, when you're making someone else's recipe, you have to make the whole recipe. Oh, that's true. So I can't necessarily cut it down, um, and not all of the dough freezes. Oh. Um, oh, I meant you can, like, freeze, like, the baked cookies, too. Yeah, I probably will, uh, because it's really a lot of cookies. I still have more <laughs> There's to only make. four of you. <laughs> I still have more cookies to make, um, and there's, like, I made, gosh, I made three dozen yesterday. No, I made three dozen today. Yesterday, I made, uh... Lot, I don't know, apparently. 60, I don't know. I, there's, I've got like five different kinds of cookies and they all make multiple dozens. Drought, <laughs> <laughs> you really do need a cookie swap to get rid of these. And that's not a thing that can happen in the age of COVID. So, right. And the ones, <laughs> the, the kind that only made 16, they only made 16 because they make very large cookies. <laughs> sure. Uh-huh. They're like monster cookies as big as your face. They're like wet. They're shortbread wedges, so they're oh, like okay. they're like very large wedges. They're made in a cake pan. Here's a pie um, slice. Yeah, like a pie slice of cookie, basically, which is not something to be mad about. But um, yeah, I can't you know dole them out to all of my friends like we normally would, or right. have the kids take them to school or anything. Right. So just drowning in cookies over there. Yep. yep. <laughs> There are worse problems. There to are be definitely had, worse to be sure. problems. For sure. 
Well, you guys know that Steffi and I are both pet owners, and we feel passionate about animal rescue. Since we have never run an animal rescue or fostering program ourselves, we decided to bring in someone who has far more experience with this than us, our friend Stephanie Hockberger. Welcome to the podcast, Stephanie. Hi, guys. I'm super excited to be here. We're excited to have you. Thank you. Stephanie, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, Such a loaded question. (laughs) It's it's so really so simple. Mom, wife, attorney, and animal rescuer, I guess. You could throw in like friend, wannabe world traveler, you know, all that good stuff. But um, heart's really with the dogs. Yeah. So you are really passionate about animal rescue like that is an understatement but tell us how you got to be so actively involved in this cause it is kind of a funny story um i met my husband and you know growing up i always had little dogs and and volunteered during college and i always you know gravitated towards dogs particularly small ones and i met my husband and he had this dog he wasn't my husband at the time but i married him to get the dog which is a which is like and then you decided to keep him right and everybody's like oh you're joking i'm like no i actually married him so that oreo could become mine so (laughs) fast forward and we moved to south florida and i had to sit for the bar all over again in south florida didn't have any friends and was like, you know, how do you make a life for yourself in a new place? I Googled this place called, called Shih Tzu Rescue. It popped up and I basically like harassed them until they got me on their volunteer list. And that's sort of where it all began. I started walking dogs once a week on Tuesday mornings while I was studying for the Florida bar and it has evolved since there. So it's been about six years and um, I'm now one of the directors for the rescue and um, spend a lot of time doing as much as I possibly can, you know, in an already impossibly packed life, right? Because mm-hmm. we all know how busy we get, but um, it's it's my, you know, my happy place. I love that. And so now in addition to Oreo, you guys also have two other little Shih Tzus. Yes. So Millie was the first dog that we adopted together from Shih Tzu Rescue. Um, And then Jada was our bonus dog who came in with um, a pretty serious heart issue and Shih Tzu Rescue saved her life. She wouldn't have made it to her first birthday. Um, And we had surgery done and, you know, a lot of follow up and um, I, I now am a foster failure and Jada is the most expensive dog in the world. Um, and she's ours. And so I've got three and trust me, I would have more, um, if I, if I could, and I may, so I'm not going to hold my breath. <laughs> as soon as we started hearing about her, we're like, you have a third dog now. Yeah. yeah. That's what we kept telling Eric. Like, no, yeah. you, you have a third dog. Now I, I, here's a question I've never actually gotten an answer to. How did a single man come to own a Shih Tzu? Oh. Because it's not exactly a dog oh. that you think about a single guy owning. Oh, he's going to kill me for sharing this story. Oh, please Eric. do. No oh, worry. yes, yes, yes. Eric was 22. And in order to convince his then girlfriend to like move down to Florida, um, he's now hooked us in, a lot of us now, with this whole like promise of South Florida and dogs, I see now. Um, quite the pattern. <laughs> But he said, I will get you a puppy. And so 
enter stage left Oreo. They went to pick out a puppy and they came home with not one, but two puppies. <gasps> two months later, girlfriend bounced. She's gone. And my 22 year old, you know, now husband had these two Shih Tzu puppies and he's like six, two, you know, like good looking guy. And needless to say, his parents bailed him out and took one of the dogs <laughs> and he kept Oreo, who was this like frat brother, you know, <laughs> And um, it's crazy because Eric's 38 now. So to think of a dog that you've had, like he was a boy. He was yeah. a 22-year-old boy. And now he's, you know, a husband and a dad. And um, he's got Oreo, 16, who's been there the whole time. And, oh and Oreo's still rocking. He's still here. He's sitting next to me right now. Um, and that is the story of, story of Oreo. It was an ex-girlfriend who said I'd be back for the dog and never came back. And, you know. Left him high and dry with some Shih Tzu puppies. That's an amazing story. Wow. Yeah. Oreo is the dog that turned the boy into a man. It's so true. <laughs> it's so true. He's. <laughs> you'll, you'll have to talk to him about this. Oh, believe me, I will. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's so good. Well, there are obviously a lot of aspects involved in any nonprofit organization, but especially when animals are involved and need to be cared for and homed and everything that comes along with it. What are some of the challenges that you face regularly and how has COVID changed or added to all of those? Yeah, um, COVID was a game changer for so many of us. You know, in animal rescue, I think the biggest problem, no matter who you ask, is the issue of money, right? Because mm -hmm. if we had endless amounts of money, we could do so much more. And money going to education, to actual care of the dogs, um, it's so multifaceted, but COVID comes in um, and you have a lot of rescues who now um, are stuck, you know, are, it was a person forward facing, you know, brick and mortar facility. Now, how do we bring people in? Do we not bring people in? Um, and Shih Tzu Rescue particularly has a for-profit arm, which is a boarding facility. And that is ha that boarding facility helps us pay for our staff members, of which we have, you know, multiple full-time staff members, some of whom live on campus with the dogs. The dogs are literally never alone because if you're in an emergency, you know, a dog needs somebody, you need to have yeah. somebody there. So that's what's special about us. But we um, on campus have a boarding facility. And when COVID hit, not w w nobody was traveling. Nobody was boarding their dog anymore. And so we went down to zero and we have mouths to feed a hundred of them who are dependent on us. And so it was a very scary thing. Um, we had to get creative and fundraise. We had people who were literally supporting us. Um, and it's multifaceted, right? Because a lot of these animal lovers lost their jobs. We have so many people without jobs right now. So you're going to see donations decrease exponentially as a result of the people going through financial hardship right now. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and unfortunately it's when you also need it the most. So it's right. just the right. cyclical thing. It's terrifying. And the, the need doesn't change, right? There are, if anything, it increases because yeah. now you have people who have to move change of circumstance, um, don't want their dogs anymore. And I think the news, I guess we can get to that later, but the news sort of showed these great empty rescue facilities. <laughs> and I don't think that that for private facilities was the case. Yeah. Most of us had to shut down. Um, and I mean, shut down, not 
that we didn't have dogs anymore, but we couldn't have people come on campus, um, you know, in a, in a manner that we used to, we didn't, we couldn't have tons of volunteers because we needed to make sure that our caretakers were safe Mm -hmm. because if our caretakers weren't safe and we don't have somebody to feed our dogs and drive them to vet appointments and whatever else, we're in a really scary situation. Um, so COVID was, was tough for us. We typically fear hurricane season Mm -hmm. and this was a different type of fear. Yeah, and it's something that you've never faced before. So you're having to come up with solutions on the fly and see what works and exactly pivot entirely. Yes, yes, yes. So I, I, you know, I know you talk about um, the having the facility, but I know that a big part of your model is is also having foster homes and foster families. Um, You talked about you being a foster family. Right, right. So can you explain why fostering is important in animal rescue and particularly for a no-kill shelter? Yeah, so Shih Tzu Rescue is a no-kill, non-for-profit rescue and sanctuary. What that means is any dog who enters our door is safe. Um, They will not be euthanized because we can't afford their bill. Um, We can't afford their medical care or they're too old, which we're located in South Florida. Um, We have a very old population here uh, because we have so many retirees. And if I could give a penny for every time somebody called and said that their mom was going into a nursing home, can you take the 14-year-old dog? You know, I'd be a rich person. Um, My, I wouldn't say that we're, we're, overly foster based Um, most of our dogs do come into our brick and mortar facility but we're not we're we're cage free so the shelter itself feels like we like to say a summer camp because Mm -hmm. the dogs are in little um rooms so we have our senior rooms um we're not going to put you know crazy young dogs in with a 14 year old (laughs) um but we you know, make sure that we have little pods and groups and we have large runs and outdoor spaces and big different yards that they can rotate through throughout the day. Um, We do pull in fosters when we have a medical issue and you need specific one-on-one attention um, or, um, you know, they're recovering from surgery or something like that and they need, you know, somebody to be watching them. Um, So most of our dogs actually do go into the actual facility Um, and fostering, you know, different, not every rescue is, is able to afford the overhead of a brick and mortar, right? So Mm -hmm. there are foster groups who are wonderful, but they might only have 10 dogs under their umbrella. When you've got as many as we do, and when you've been around for as long as we have, um, you know, this was the model that worked for us and it's worked for 25 years and thousands and thousands of dogs have been adopted. So, um, in a way it's easier because when dogs get surrendered to us, which is how we, we do come across most of our dogs, Mm -hmm. um, they are in this place with, if they love other dogs, they're happy, right? They've got this sort of they don't fall in love with just one person. That's not to say they don't love our caretakers, but they're not in a home to feel as though they're heartbroken. Fosters, when dogs get passed around and passed around and passed around, think of all the heartbreak because yeah. they've been attached to this person and now there's a new person and now there's a new person. Um, I don't think one way is better than the other, but this is just how it works for us. And um, we've been pretty successful and we're able to know the dogs so much more intimately because when people come to our campus, we literally can say, hey, you know, you don't know who you want, but we think this one might be great for you because, you know, they have been with us 
on our campus and we see them day in and day out versus foster you have to go based on what you know the foster parent or family says about them yeah for sure absolutely and I know because I know some people are like well why would you foster a dog and but I, I you know I think that your point that there are some cases where a dog really needs that like one-on-one care certainly got health certainly. issues yep. or behavioral know, yeah exactly exactly and so it allows for the employees at the shelter and the volunteers at the shelter to be able to give their time to these other dogs other right. animals instead of just pouring everything into this one particularly high needs right dog. exactly exactly and um when we do a lot of the high needs dogs high risk dogs or whatever we want to call them come from kill shelters right mm-hmm. so if we're pulling from a kill shelter and you're a brick and mortar facility if we you don't have quarantine space which now is obviously such a trigger word but we've been using quarantine space for years you can't bring a dog in who might have kennel cough who might have worms who might have anything that could literally you know impact the hundred other dogs on your campus Mm -hmm. so when we do that we you know they come to a foster home for four or six weeks and then they're you know hopefully either you know placed in a home if we have a decent application in on them or they are um you know hanging out at shih tzu rescue after they're not contagious anymore hanging out at summer camp yeah at summer <laughs> camp <laughs> so we've seen with covid that a lot of foster well in adoption um, places around the country have been uh, looking for more and more families to um, foster other animals while we kind of all manage this whole thing um right so do you have advice or tips for someone who is wondering if fostering is right for them like how should they get started in terms of you know setting up their house or even just learning about what they need to be doing I think the question is fair whether you're talking about a short-term foster or a long-term adoption Mm -hmm. um I think the biggest thing that people don't realize, and I think what drives all of us as animal lovers, absolutely, I mean, we could we could cry about it um, or get really angry with it, is the fact that an animal is a commitment for a really long time. I mean, you have a dog or a cat for nearly as long, and hopefully so, as long as you have your own child under your roof, right, mm-hmm. until they go to college. And so people who are very flippant about adopting an animal... Um, it's not okay because if they're flippant about adopting an animal and they think that, you know, if it doesn't work out, I can just give them back or, or whatever, not only is it devastating for the animal, but it's causing part of the problem. Because when an animal gets adopted out, that's making space for another dog in off the streets or an unwanted dog to come in, right? Mm-hmm. But when people think that they're disposable or they're things and not living beings who, you know, aren't a priority in their life, that's when this cycle happens so you need to make sure that you're ready for this huge commitment um we always say well you wouldn't give a child back that you didn't like you know my my youngest is a pain in the butt she cries every night I I she's she you know like but I wouldn't think of giving her back in the same way once a dog is my dog they're my dog you know and I love them good bad poop on the couch because I leave the room for 10 minutes or not you know I love them no matter what and Um, you know, everybody told me, and I think you guys can probably both relate to this. Everybody said, well, when your first baby comes, you're not going (laughs) to feel the same way. And I'm like, F you all. I will too. (laughs) 
Um, and if anything, I've like doubled down, you know, and people yes. are like, all right, Stephanie, calm down. But um, it's a really big commitment and you have to have the emotional capacity to love a dog, especially one that's been through hell. Mm -hmm. And um, I think an another thing that's maybe not the most politically correct thing, but you need to have the financial ability to take care of that dog if it gets sick because he or she is depending on you, yeah. right? So if you if you can't afford a dog, perhaps a foster is great because then a rescue can be covering those expenses for you. Um, but if you have a dog and maybe you're not in the best financial position, um, pet insurance is a great option. But if I told you how many dogs get surrendered because they need to have bladder stone surgery or you know whatever $1,500 surgery that the owner just can't afford, it's heartbreaking because the, every dog deserves a home, but not every home can afford a dog, you know, and it's, and it's, so hard to be politically correct when it comes to dog ownership. Um, one last thing I'll say that's a not popular thing to say is age appropriate adoptions. Mm -hmm. You cannot be a 92 year old calling for a puppy. You cannot be the daughter of a 92 year old calling for a puppy for your mother. Um, the goal of animal rescue is a forever home, right? Mm -hmm in a happy environment where you know that the dog is going to be cared for emotionally, medically, whatever. The goal is for the dog to not outlive the human, right? Right, Because then we come back into this circle that I was telling you about where mom goes into a nursing home and why does Shih Tzu Rescue have 30 dogs that are 12 years and older, you know? So it, and invariably, when the daughter's calling for the dog for her mother, the daughter is not prepared to take the dog if and when something happens to her mother. Right, right. And that's another thing. There's so many people who say, oh, my daughter would take the dog if something ever happened to me. And time and time again, we've seen that that's not the case, right? And it's, and it's so heartbreaking to see. Obviously, things happen with, with li in life that you don't plan for, Um and my attorney hat comes on and it's like, if you've got a will, just tell us where your dog's going. I don't have a client that comes through that I don't ask them, do you have a dog or a cat? And sometimes they look at me like, what does this have to do with my estate plan? But you know, yeah. they pick up on it. So it's, that is vitally important to me when it comes to the considerations um, as to whether it's time for an animal in your home. Um, as you can tell, probably by this conversation, uh, the rescue that I'm affiliated with is pretty strict with who we adopt out to because we want to make sure that these dogs have quality forever homes and we don't see them back in two years, you know, and that the people are going to love them regardless of their quirks and whatever medical issues they may have or may develop. Um, and a question of their care is not a question at all. Absolutely. I know. I, I see people sometimes they are like, eh. I feel like it would be easier to adopt a child than a dog from these places. And I'm like, well, yeah. first of all, I've done both and right. no, it's not. Right. Uh, but also it should still be a forever decision that you're right. making for right. the rest of the life of that animal. So right. don't be a dill hole. Bye. Right. Right. People don't realize, you know, we say 15 year commitment. Like I said, Oreo 16. Um, Megan, I was thinking about you the other night because I know you just lost your cat. 17, right? Like, yeah. I'm so sorry, number one. And number two, 17-year commitment, you know? Yeah. That is a third of our life, a quarter of our life. Whatever it is, it, it's, it's a big deal. Yeah. 
Yeah, seven, 17. That's a kid that you're getting ready to send off right. to college. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we actually, uh, we his brother is still kicking, so older than 17. Wow. Soon, yeah. See? Off See, but that's a testament that you've, yes, good genes, but like you've taken care of your animals. You know what I mean? Like you take mm-hmm. them to the doctor and you, if something was wrong, you get it checked out, you know? Yep. So many yeah. people don't do that. Yeah, my cats have diabetes. diabetes. So. <laughs> yeah, they get, they get shots twice a day. Yeah, um, yeah. If I, yeah, I know if, a lot of people wouldn't do that. Yeah, we listen. If you want a dog from Shih Tzu Rescue, we've got an awesome diabetic dog. <laughs> <laughs> if you know how to already give the insulin shots, we can arrange to get him to you. I'm just kidding. I don't want to load that off on you, but. Um, <laughs> My husband you know. has said that we cannot, it, that when we do adopt again, that it will not be a diabetic animal. But I'm like, but no one else will take care of that. It's true. And you can never know whether or not the dog or cat will develop diabetes. But that's I the know, point. That'll be what'll happen is that Bob will like fall in love with a dog or a cat. <laughs> right. And he'll bring them home. And then like three years down the road, they'll get diabetes and he'll just yep. be so in love. He'll be like, wow, whatever. So and that's our destiny. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling. All uh, the insulin shots. I know. I was telling Megan last week in a conversation that my mom had two cats in a row that ended up in kidney failure where she was giving them IV drips every afternoon. And, you know, you just, that's what you do. That's what you do. People, like, I'm even embarrassed to say that, like, my dog has a pillbox, like, (laughs) like the AM, PM rainbow color pillbox. And, like, he needs his medicine. And... The laser therapy treatment really makes him feel better. Like people think I'm nuts. I've I've taken him before. I've done everything under the sun for this dog. Um, and listen, I get that I'm the extreme version, but there is a calmed down version of probably all of us mm-hmm. who would make really wonderful pet owners. You know, yeah, for sure, absolutely. So okay, let's address the elephant, or I guess it's a smelly dog in the room. We've all seen these news reports you were alluding to them before Mm -hmm. of how cat and dog adoptions they're way up and i know that i've seen a number of people in my facebook feed contemplating getting a pet during quarantine um are you concerned about some of these people making these decisions absolutely um first of all when you are a government entity right and you have a pandemic going on and you have all these dogs like you don't want to have all these dogs and those you can when I've gone into these kill facilities before because that's who were being shown on the news you can go in with $25 and they give you a bag of food for free when you adopt the dog so you're actually profiting because dog food's expensive right you're actually profiting by adopting the dog and they give a dog to just about anybody The problem is, again, people are like, oh, I'm home for the next three months. It's a great time to get a dog. Maybe, but are you going to have a dog three months from now to a job three months from now to be able to afford the dog? Are you going to be able to still live in your dog friendly housing or will your circumstances change? Um, Are you, you know, (laughs) like I said, are you going to have this 15 year commitment? Are you making this rash, rash decision? From the government standpoint, you know, they were trying to do as much as they could to get the dogs out. What what they didn't show on the news is, you know, there's there's dogs in the front that are their adoptables, but they've got their dogs in the back who have to be quarantined for, you know, rabies or dog bite case or um, stray holds, whatever you've got. 
And then you've got your unadoptables in the other room that were probably euthanized that morning. So I'm glad that it was a good PR stunt for them. Um, I hope that the people who adopted those dogs, um, you know, are still taking care of those dogs. But I have to say that it, it is not shocking that the phone calls to the private rescues are just now starting to pick up yeah. because the people who um, adopted a dog and had a change of circumstance or just thought it would be a fun temporary thing to do while they were home, um, you know, did, isn't working out anymore. So it, I did have a problem with it and I, I understand, you know, why I guess they, they did it, right? Because they're allowed to and, and again, um, if, if those houses worked out for those dogs, wonderful, but so many dogs get passed around over yeah. and over and over again, and there's no vetting done. I mean, application vetting on any of these people before anybody is given a dog, you know, yeah. you can be a Michael Vick and walk in and pick up dogs from there. So right. it's scary. Well, and even if it does work out, you know, like, okay, I'm, oh, I'm home for this period of time. It'll be a great time to get a dog. Well, then that dog is also getting used to you being home all of the time. So when you do go back to your office job, then you're going to have some uh, adjusting that you have yeah. to do with yeah. that dog. I mean, right. <laughs> as someone who has worked from home for the past four years, <laughs> my yeah. dogs are used to me being home all the time. And, and you, when I'm gone during the day, they're like, what the fuck was that? Right. They go bonkers. I mean, yeah. it's not, I told you, I joked about Millie pooping on my couch, but like, it's not a joke. I leave the room and she's like, F you, I can't believe you left me for 10 minutes. Here's a present, (laughs) you know? And (laughs) we laugh about it, but like, it's also annoying, but whatever. It is what it is. Right. If you don't like the smell of dog pee, don't come to my house. Oh, yeah. My my two big dogs are a good... Well, that and then the two cats are a good way for me to feel out if I'm going to invite someone back to my house. Right. What is your reaction when my German Shepherd comes running up to you to say hello and you see the two cats scampering off and the other dogs in the other room barking her brains out because she had a traumatic beginning and isn't sure about strangers, but in five minutes she's going to be like... On your lap. Yeah, exactly. She's going to be like, hello, I need to be your best friend. Like, can you handle that? Cool, then we can be best friends. Otherwise... I don't think you're coming home back to my house ever again. <laughs> so funny. That's she really so funny. gets in your face. And true. And true. Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's all good. So aside from uh, making sure that they understand and accept the commitment of adopting a dog yes. or a cat or any other rescue animal. Yes. What other advice do you have for people who are interested in that? Like, do you recommend, like you had volunteered at the shelter or at the rescue and, you know, walk dogs and stuff. Is that a good first step for people? Yeah. If they have time, I think it's always nice to, to, you know, number one, it's good for the dogs. It's good for you. Makes you feel good. And then you can, you know, see if there's a dog that's right for you. Um, but you know, there's a lot of moving pieces. There's a ton of applications that come in. You might fall in love with a dog who already has an application in on them. So, you know, there's, like I said, it's multifaceted, but, um, as far as the, you know, advice to somebody who hasn't adopted a a rescued animal before, I think the biggest thing is just drop the the preconceived notion of what a rescue animal is. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to use dog. You know, I, I hate that. Um, they're only a used dog because an asshole like you called them that and (laughs) and somebody got rid of this this dog who didn't do anything wrong um 
So I think the first thing to do is drop the preconceived notion of, of what a rescued pet is. I think that all of us can agree that there is there are plenty of rescue dogs who um, have absolutely like no issues, are the most perfect things to ever you know grace our planet, and there are designer dogs from you know whatever AKC registered breeder who are jerks you know and who bite and I think it's just what you get and that's not to say that it's nature versus nurture to some extent of course it is but um give a rescue pet a chance you know know that any dog or cat that you adopt is going to have their own personality um I don't think yes I'm I'm affiliated with Shih Tzu Rescue but we have companion dogs of every single breed you know Mm -hmm. we've had we have the big dogs too we have um I think we have a German Shepherd right now, Steffi, if you know you're number three. But like, it's, 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 you find the dog that speaks to you. You find the dog that you can be the difference for. Um, you know, I think that it's not going into a store to buy a new shirt, you know, come and stay for a few hours, pick, you know, spend an afternoon thinking about it um, and, and meeting the dogs. And it, you know, it, it's a, it's a big deal. Um, it's not just, let's go buy a collar and a water dish and call it a day. It's, it's, this is going to change my life for the better. And, and let's make sure that it's the right decision. I know that you, you guys had dogs before the girls came into the picture, but for someone who has kids and is looking, how do you introduce the kids to that? You know what? I'll tell you right now, we... I don't like to adopt to families with kids. And this is another thing because, again, I don't, get, I don't make a lot of friends by saying that. But I have friends and peers who have little kids. And if a dog bit a child, they would 100 out of 100 times assume that it was the dog's fault. Mm-hmm. And there's a really cool video that I'll have to find and send to you. But it's from the point of view from the dog. But if a dog bites a child, it's probably the child's fault. Or at the very least, the parent's fault because they weren't watching. And you have to be vigilant. And if if you are not vigilant and if you are not okay with your dog biting that kid, then you better be like white on rice when it comes to making sure that that nothing, no accidents happen. Because again, you want to know how many eight and 10 year old dogs who were once their parents' lights of their life, who find themselves in rescues because they snapped at the dog. You know, people call and there's a grandchild who's there for a week of a year. and And the people call saying, oh my God, he snapped at my grandbaby. She's only 11 months old. It's like, well, wait a second. Of course he did, because there's this thing that's as big as he is, crawling towards him, grabbing at his fur, getting in his face, making loud noises, and the poor dog is terrified, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's really about educating yourself as a pet owner when it comes to um, dog ownership and having children at the same time. Um, There's there's a a book called... uh, happy baby, good dog, good baby, happy dog, something like this. And it's a whole book about it. Yeah. Yeah. You recommended it. Yeah. It's a whole book and it was eye opening because it, it helps with the other person's point of view. But, um, 
since my kids have been old enough to, you know, spit up, right? So like the day they were born, they know that you don't mess with mom's dogs. You do not mess with mom's dogs unless, I don't think I've ever gotten mad at my three-year-old in the way that I've gotten mad at her when I felt that she did something unjust to one of my dogs, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're already we're already teaching Edie like yeah, how gentle. to appropriately. Yep, yeah, how, yep. she is like just in the last month. Like, re, I mean, she loves the dogs, especially right, Anya. Right, and she right. grins at them, and they come over and they give her gentle kisses. And but she, you know, especially in the last couple of weeks, is like, oh, I could like reach out and like touch this thing. Right, and we're, right. we're already starting to guide her and like, no, you have to be gentle. You can't yep. pull Royce's fur and stuff like that. Right, right. If we start it now, like you're, you have yeah. to start it when they're that. It's all about education, yeah. and I think the education stems from changing the way that we view the situation because parents have to be the ones vigilant in protecting their dogs, right? In the mm-hmm. same way that we protect our children. Yep. So yeah, I, even I, with my with my older kids, with our cats, sometimes will be. Um, you know, you're, you're petting a cat or a dog in a certain way and they don't like it. And right. They'll, like, reach out and you, they don't end up actually scratching them, but they'll, like, warn them. And right. the kids will get upset. I'm like, no. Right. He doesn't like that. Right. That's what he's telling you right, right. now. Exactly. They can't talk yeah. for themselves. And um, we have to be their voices. We have to be their advocates. And so um, when it comes to, you know, breed of dogs and, and children... You know, I again, I don't think it's a one size fits all. I have um, my dogs who who wouldn't, I don't think, ever do anything to the kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I sometimes I say, you know, Millie, you can bite her if you want to because I want to bite her right now. So <laughs> I, I'm with you. I support that decision, but um, I don't know. I lost my train of thought. I don't think that there's one size fits all when it comes to breed a dog. I think you can have. You know, people say, oh, I want to get a Shih Tzu because X, Y, and Z. Well, guess what? I know like one Shih Tzu that fits into that X, Y, and Z, and they're all their own little people, and they all have their own personalities, and they all have their quirks. And even the three at my house, like the differences, I think, far outweigh their similarities, other than the fact that I love them to death, and they're, and they're perfect, you know? Yeah. Um, mm. And I think you can say, like, whenever you have two, you, you're like, oh, my God, they're the same, but they're not. So I think it's just about, you know, education, making informed decisions. Um, and people always say, oh, golden retrievers, golden doodles, which are all the rage right now. You know, if I have one more friend getting like an Aussie doodle from the breeder down the street, you know, I'm going to throw up because, oh, they're great with children. Well, guess what? So is the dog, you know, at your local shelter. You just didn't give them a chance. Um and you could save a life. So, yeah. it, it, and not to hate on Aussie doodles and golden doodles, but like there are plenty of those that find their ways into yeah. shelters because they weren't properly socialized or their kids did something wrong, you know, and or the owners did something wrong. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I just. Yeah, I think it's an important distinction because I think a lot of people misunderstand um and they think that if you're getting a dog from a shelter or a rescue that it's a mutt right um, that it's a Heinz 57 and that you can get purebred dogs yeah. or what are most likely purebred dogs i mean 
we are 99% sure that our German shepherd is a purebred dog and he was a rescue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you just have to, and you can like find breed specific rescues. Yeah. Pretty much every single breed. Every single breed. Yeah. So. We, we are one of the, you know, we've been around for a really 25 years. It's a really long time. I obviously wasn't there 25 years ago, but the owners of um, the rescue, the couple that started it, who are mentors to me and, and, you know, they're, they're my family at this point. Um, when they started this breed specific rescues, like weren't a thing, but they saw the need in South Florida with the small dogs and the older population. Right. And so when you're in a populous area, you're going to have dogs of, of all kinds. Um, and we, I really do think that we have like the most beautiful dogs in the world. They don't come in always looking beautiful, but we have a groomer. I see on some campus. of your before and after pictures, and I'm like, whoa, that's yeah. the same dog. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy what a little love can do in a good grooming session. Um, and you know, obviously, another challenge of running a Shih Tzu rescue is that like you are on groom rotation, <laughs> like every <laughs> like there's no break from that. You know, yeah. so it's a lot of hair being brushed and cut, and um, you know. Things like that. So I guess when you're talking about maintenance for a dog, Shih Tzu's definitely our, our high maintenance, but they're worth it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your passion for animal rescue and your sweet doggos. Uh, before we close out, yes. let's talk about joy. So Megan, you start. Oh, I always start. Oh, too bad. Um. <laughs> Well, I hate to go on about my garden again, but... But she's gonna. But I'm gonna, because I got nothing else right now. This is what I'm living for every day, is my garden. It's the place you can go. (laughs) Uh, So my squash tunnel came, and we put it up in the garden. Uh, It looks amazing. uh, And it planted some things, so we'll see if they grow. Nice. Up the tunnel. Uh, Nice. We'll, we'll see. I, we're still actually like finishing the, the redesign of the garden itself. Um, there's more stuff to be done, but I just really had to get the squash tunnel up immediately. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so hopefully soon awesome. I'll have like amazing vines crawling up it and, uh, you know, nice. those loofahs in like six months. Uh, so I, I will never not be curious about the loofahs. This is my new favorite project. I need loofah updates every week. If it doesn't work, I'm going to be real sad. I, Do you I have loofahs in your garden? Yes, you can grow loofahs. Like, so like to shower with? Yeah, they're just like a <laughs> gourd. And you just, you dry them. I thought a loofah was like a sponge. I no. always did too. And then lo oh. and behold, it turns out it's a, like a gourd. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be Googling this when I'm done talking to you guys. It's fascinating. The Please only problem do. is they, they take a really, really long time to grow. Um, but in Texas, the growing season is so long. So if you have a garden and space at your new house, you might also be able to grow loofahs. I don't know. <laughs> I'm I'm going to research this. I don't even like, honey, I'm going to grow loofahs. I think he'd look at me like I like grew a third arm, but I'm going to see like what that's can Steffi, be done. I feel like that's how Steffi looks at me through the microphone when I started talking about <laughs> loofahs. growing loofahs. <laughs> so interesting. Stephanie, what is bringing you joy this week? Ah, uh, 
Um, there is a cheesy like Polynesian restaurant called the Mai Kai in Fort Lauderdale, and they are selling Mai Tais by the gallon. And what? conveniently, my daughter's first birthday is like a luau aloha theme. So I will be getting a gallon of Mai Tais. I'll share it because I don't know if I could, I don't know if I want to try. Maybe I'll try. But like (laughs) what's bringing me joy is the fact that I'm celebrating my daughter's first birthday and there are cool things that exist in this world like buying a gallon of Mai Tais from your favorite cheesy Polynesian restaurant. I got to say, I really am appreciating how a lot of these restaurants are pivoting. Yeah. That's pretty cool pretty amazing did you purposefully plan this like luau theme so that you could get the gallon of mai tais because i wouldn't judge you if you did um that's a that's an interesting question i got yelled at by my mother-in-law because i guess i keep dressing the baby as like the sidekick to the princess so like for (laughs) hayden she was olaf and for um halloween she was sebastian to ariel and like i keep like not making her a beautiful princess so my mother-in-law was like enough of this she has to be like beautiful so i found this like beautiful grass skirt and i was like okay i can do this there's a lot of you know pre-done decorations with flamingos and whatever else so that's where it started um that she's not going to be the sidekick yeah like exactly she needs (laughs) to be the beautiful like moana luau princess um and then the the gallon of Mai Tais like probably factored its way in there pretty quickly after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if I'm going to be one really th- on Thursday, exactly. we'll be sure to, yeah, Thursday we'll, yes. be sure to, we'll be sure to ask Eric how the Mai Tais were. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. There might be too much sugar for him, but I'll get him to have one or two. <laughs> I mean, we used to be able to get him to drink those awful blue drinks at work functions. So, uh, weren't they teal? Uh, yes. They oh, were that's teal. what I thought. <laughs> that's why he, we were required to come up with a cocktail that was teal. <sighs> By him. Work functions. What are those? Yeah, don't even don't know, know anymore. Really? It's true. So true. Steffi, what is bringing you joy? Um, I ordered Eden and her bio sister these little t-shirts that have Ruth Bader Ginsburg on them. Cool. And the smallest size they had was a 2T, so actually both girls will have to grow into them. But um, I'm super excited about it. And even better, they are they had a pre-order for adult sizes of these t-shirts and so i also ordered myself and um her birth mom <laughs> i had the same t-shirt and so all four of us are quitting these matching ruth vader ginsburg t-shirts they're really cute uh, she's gonna wonder about you yeah, you know hey it's anyway, all good she you know what i think that they know that we're we're weirdos by now but like the good the like the friendly kind of weirdos so yeah it's all good we were texting each other she convinced me she and her sister convinced me to watch floor is lava on netflix so you're in good company love that show oh my god i we were like texting back and forth peeing our pants laughing about these people like i just need to discuss for a moment how the netflix reality shows clearly cost a lot of money to make 
And yet the production value is just so <laughs> low on them. Like, I don't, like, I know that building these, like, obstacle course rooms and filling it with this weird lava goo is not cheap, but the production value on this show is, like, in the basement. So there's just, I just have a lot of questions. So I think about it's actually just, I think it's just water. But it looks really, it looks like slipperier. <laughs> <laughs> goo like not gooey but it just looks like more like slippery than what like dyed water which is why i'm like is it is yeah it i think I so know. i think i think it's i mean i guess we could look this up later but um i think it might just be water with like you know like hot tub jets making it Maybe. move around and stuff maybe i don't know i have a lot of questions about that show and like the people when they fall in the lava they don't reappear <laughs> and like lava quicksand yeah and they like don't like the way that it's edited it doesn't look like they paused everything to like pull them out of the lava goo to then continue on this so i'm like where do they go like what also like is this stuff hard to wash out of your hair like i just i just have a lot of questions about it and yet i can't seem to stop watching it so there's that <laughs> that could be a really big rabbit hole right there oh yeah trust me uh, I, would t- I mean luckily next week we are actually talking about tv so we can dive even more into this topic so make sure that you join us back here because we're going to be dishing on our favorite tv shows and apparently this is now one of them <laughs> yeah discussing the problems with netflix reality shows <laughs> From our shared love of excellent shows like The Good Place, as you know, we already did a whole episode on it, and Jane the Virgin, to Steffi's highly questionable love of trashy reality TV, you know we'll be talking about it. Until then, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and listen to us on your favorite platform. You can also follow us on social media at IRSI Podcast or send us an email at I'd Rather Stay in Podcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Talk to you soon.